Raised the Jolly Roger with a slick double play. And oh, what a stop, Hayes! There's one! Oh, zip, zap, kazoo! The Buckos just turned two! Ground ball, left side, picked. Oh, Castillo, a pretty play on the first, and a double play! In between hop, and now throwing toward third base, a pick by Hayes! Oh, my goodness, what a play! Key Brian Hayes and Michael Chavis turn it into a double play! Tuning in, you're listening to the 412 Double Play Podcast. Welcome to episode 27 of the 412 Double Play Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Michael Castriano. Joining me today, my co host, Ed Wassel, as winter meetings officially kicked off today. Ed, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Getting some movement. Uh, winter meetings underway. A lot of stuff could be going on. Um, we did get some big uh, news yesterday. I don't know if you want to call it news exactly, but um, something that came out. And we're going to touch on that in a second. But quickly, let's gonna let's go into the roster roundup, review the transactions for the past two weeks. So November twenty second, Pirates claimed first baseman Lewin Diaz off waivers from the Marlins. He um, has good power numbers. Uh, really solid defense, and I feel like that was a big reason why they had picked him up at the time. Uh, didn't last long, but the corresponding move for that was they DFA'd Hoy Park, and Park was later traded to the Red Sox for left-handed pitcher Inmer Lobo. He's only 18. There's not that much that I was able to find on him, but he seems like there's definitely some upside. Uh, his strikeout percentage and walk numbers in like a very small sample size in the DSL uh, over like I think 18 innings, something like that, was really strong. So we'll see what happens with him. November 29th, Bucks signed first baseman Carlos Santana and DFA'd Luis Diaz. So uh, lasted a week. But the weird situation is that Santana news came out over the weekend, the previous weekend, wasn't official until the 29th, and then they held off on announcing the corresponding move. So many thought, myself included, and we had talked about this that there would be a trade they were finalizing, but nothing came to fruition. So I don't know if we'll ever find out if something was happening there. Yeah, um, I, I think maybe the initial gap between the the announcement and his signing could have been like pending physical. But then after they officially signed him, I don't know what the what the, the thing. was. And that's what I was thinking, that it, there was a, a physical, they were kind of waiting, because he's 36 or 37, something like that. Like, he's up there, they definitely want to make sure that they've done some kind of research on it. But definitely seems like something else. And a lot of the other guys, Gary Morgan, Cody Duncan, they both tweeted that they thought that would be going, that that may be the case. So I wasn't alone in it. Uh, Pirates signed minor league contract for shortstop Sean Rock. 
Don't know anything about him. I know he's in Winter League. but And then on 12-2, Diaz was officially claimed by the Orioles, but also catcher Ali Sanchez was claimed off waivers by the Diamondbacks. Right-handed pitcher Miguel Yahure by the Giants. They weren't formally designated, but uh, the second was the last day in which teams could move players off the 40-man ahead of the Rule 5 draft. So uh, Sanchez, prior waiver claim from the Tigers, so that was at pretty much the beginning of the offseason. Yahoo Ray, part of the Yankees trade for tie-in, um, just never really lived up to his promise. So I, I'm not, I, I don't really see issues with either of them being gone uh, overall. The roster now sits at 38, but Ed, what are your thoughts on these moves? Uh, like you said with Yahoo Ray, I didn't really see him being on the team as long as he was. I thought he might be one of the first people that were that removed to clear space. I thought he was a potential candidate for uh, when we signed Santana. Sanchez didn't know much about him other than he was like one of the only catchers on the, the roster. Yeah. It was just him and recently added Endy. So now it's just Endy. Yeah, I would say probably the most surprising for me was the fact that someone traded for Park when they probably could have got him off of waivers? Uh, yeah, well, he's versatile defensively, and he's act- he actually is decent defensively, mostly in AAA. Haven't really seen too much of him in MLB because the bat hasn't played. And his on-base percentage was always really solid. So that, I think, was one of the reasons why Charrington was trying to keep him around, make something happen, and it just never worked out because... Oh, no, I get that. I just mean from the Red Sox standpoint, like, they potentially could have got him for nothing. But then they're also risking that someone else would take him. So, and Lobo is so far off, he's, he's it's a lottery ticket pick. He was an international free agent. Um, one recent international free agent the Pirates were tied to is Cuban outfielder Christian... Your guy? I, I saw a post today. No, my, uh, my guy's Andy. <laughs> your guy. Uh, I have no idea. J-A-U-R-E-G-U-I. So I saw a post earlier today that the Pirates were tied to him. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll look at that when the international free agents signing window opens up in January. Um, so, yeah, not, I mean, so Carlos Santana. I initially posted that it was not a good move because I felt like he had a really bad season in Seattle. And um, I was concerned that maybe his age was starting to show. But you look at the advanced numbers, he was shifted more than any player in baseball. Yeah, like Like, 99.5% of the time. Yeah. (laughs) There was like a handful of times that he didn't. He's a switch hitter. He's got some power. He's got great on-base percentage. He sees a ton of pitches. That's one of the reasons my dude's Andres Alvarez, because his pitches per plate appearance is like 4.5 or something like that. Um, and he just he gets on base is the big thing that um, Steve and I were talking about two weeks ago, that we needed to get somebody who was an on-base threat. And that's Santana, especially with the elimination of the shift. He's decent defensively. Uh, a lot of people are penciling him in at first base. I think he's more likely to be the DH. I know Choi's got some injury issues, recently had surgery with his elbow, I want to say. 
Either his yes, wrist or his I think elbow. it was his. I think it was his right elbow. Yeah. So maybe concerns about him, but they can split time between first base DH and then I don't know who else they mix in there, like Cal Mitchell or something. Not at first base, but at uh, like DH or something. No, Andor. Andor maybe. Um, depending on what happens with um, the outfield which uh, I guess we'll use that to segue to our special because previewing the winter meetings, the Rule 5 draft, as the winter meetings officially kick off today, no news no news yet to report um, as far as, like, any signings or anything yet. I've been checking Twitter leading up to our recording today. But yesterday, news broke that Pirates All-Star Brian Reynolds requested a trade. Now, team officials stated this wouldn't impact the offseason plans, but it's not... It's not great news to have your best position player want out just as the team appears to be bridging toward contention. So, Ed, what kind of package would we be looking for as a return for Reynolds in this stage of our rebuild? Uh, Well, I will start with I was reading that the Pirates did offer him what would have been the richest contract they've ever signed anybody to. Right. Right now belonging to the It didn't specify numbers. Yeah, so it just had to be over seventy million, which he's worth at least twenty plus per year. So that would be at least a four-year deal. Let's say. And I heard it was, I heard it was uh, less years, more money than Hayes. So it could have been fifteen a year. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Going back to packages, in my opinion, I I think they're gonna want. Probably some major league ready talent. Uh, I'm not sure who has the best, I won't even say necessarily farm system, but who can fulfill those needs the best. I know an outside shot could potentially be Cleveland. They always have a lot of young talent. Yeah. Uh, and your obvious choices, Yankees, I was reading Mets, Marlins, Red Sox, Mariners. <laughs> the Mariners, I feel like their farm system's taken a hit with all the graduations lately. Plus, they, you know, traded two of their top prospects to the Reds uh, last year. So, uh, Dodgers, I think... I don't know how they always have such a good farm system, but they had a, a ton of talented players in the AFL this year. So, yeah, any number of them could swing it. It's just a question of whether Charrington's going to say, okay, we need at least one guy to replace him in the major leagues right off the bat, or if he's going to go with some guys who will be in that mix with Priester and Burroughs and Gonzalez and Peggy and who will be coming up later on, but aren't quite ready yet. Right. Like, do you potentially take on, you know, a pitcher that has two years left on his contract and then prospects to beef up the deal? Or... Because he's signed through 25. We've got three more seasons with Reynolds. Like, the arbitration contract's been taken care of for 23. But we still have him for two more years after that. I don't. It's it's a tough situation right now because 
they kind of have to I really would think that they should buy out the next two years of arbitration and then maybe a year or two after that. And then like agree on something with that. That's the that's the best case situation. Now that it's become pu- public knowledge that he's wanting out, just just a frustrating time for that to happen. But if that's the case, and it's not, it's not just because we're not winning. Because I don't know, we're potentially on the verge of it. Who knows? That he can get paid for those years, and then if they're still looking to deal him in two years. He'll have a couple years left and hopefully a few more good seasons to have. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it was a, a strategic move by his representation to do it the day before winter meetings start. Yep. But, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, honestly, the longer the Pirates hold on to him, the his value will probably start to go down. Well, he's coming off a less successful season in 22 than in 21. His defensive numbers, I mean, and I've, I've read a couple articles in like fan graphs and stuff like that, where he actually was more unlucky than the average outfielder this year. And he was more lucky than the average outfielder last year. So, his defensive numbers overall just look much worse as a result. But he's really somewhere, like, he's not going to be the best center fielder. He's probably not the best center fielder on the team, but he's he's capable of playing the position. Yeah, even he, if he, he definitely, he, he projects much better in a, one of the corner outfield spots. Right, but even if he moves to left field, that's still basically another center. Like, we saw that with the when Marte used to patrol out there. Yeah. But the it, it's likely he gets moved over there. I still see um, G1 Bay as a center fielder, Reynolds in left, and then probably Sawinski in right. I, I feel like he was showing a lot of growth later on in the season with pitches like seeing pitches better like him and Cruz both turned a corner that last month or so felt like they were both walking a lot more they were both um being a lot more patient at the plate so and the power threat's legit so if he can strike out less and get on get walks more then you know it's a rookie season there there's going to be some struggles. I don't know if he's going to be like the right fielder of the future for us, but I'm hoping that Reynolds is part of that picture. So uh, moving on to the next part here, the moves they've made so far. We said earlier, they added G-Man Choi and Carlos Santana short up the first base and DH spots on the roster. Replacing, let's see, last last year we're going into the season with uh, Vogie and uh, Yoshi. For those, now these are above average pieces. I feel like those are improvements across the board. There's still some holes to fill, but it it has a feeling that this is the first offseason in his tenure as GM for the Pirates that Charrington is potentially trying to win in the following season. Now we saw him take the Red Sox from worst to first, 2012-2013, and while the Pirates don't quite have the base of players that those teams had, 
it wouldn't be completely impossible to repeat that feat in Pittsburgh. Probably unlikely. But what would you say is a good record for this team, you know, provided they make those needed improvements still to shoot for in 2023? Uh, I would say 83 wins. I was literally thinking exactly 83 and 79 (laughs) was what I was thinking too. I I think that's not, that's not going to make the playoffs. It's likely going to fall short. Um, 80, what was it? 87 wins made it this year. 86, 85 or 86 wins would have made it last year for that sixth spot in the NL. But um, 83 would be, and that's, that's a big swing. We lost a hundred games this year. So we went 62. Two and a hundred. That'd be a twenty-one swing, twenty-one win swing. Um, it seems really big, but I think there was like sixty, sixty losses. No, I mean, sixty losses, sixty games that were like one-run games. And you have to take into account. Okay, Bryce Wilson shouldn't be pitching games. Miguel Yuhure is no longer on the team. Josh Van Meter is not going to get any at-bats this upcoming season. Knock on wood. Um, Yoshi's not on the team. Newman's not on the team. Cole Tucker's not on the team. Like, There's a lot of guys who shouldn't have been getting at-bats who were. Right. And you know, a full season of Cruz. We've got Cruz to start the season. We've got Contreras. Um... Potentially, we're going to be seeing a lot of our top prospects make the jump. Now, some of them are going to get delayed because of injuries, because of, you know, offensive struggles, defensive struggles, whatever. But Priester, Burroughs, Davis, Gonzalez, Peggy, um, Triolo already on the 40-man. We can see him make the jump. He's, we talked about before, he's like a Newman plus. He's got a little bit more pop and better defensively than Newman. I feel like Newman, for some reason, got this uh, line that he's solid defensively. And I was like, well, yeah. he was an upgrade over Jordy Mercer, I guess. But... Newman was absolute trash defensively, and then he had that one good year where he one was like... Gold Glove finalist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but another, was... another thing is we're going to have Bay for the whole season. So you got... You know, your potential leadoff guy who's going to get on base, steal some bases for you, give you some more opportunities to score runs. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some issues that they need to go in. So we've got day one of meetings today taking place in San Diego. Um, they currently have only Andy as the sole catcher on the 40-man. We talked about that before. They have no left-handed pitchers. Dropped all of them. I think they only had Banuelos at the very end there. Anyway, but um, so no left-handed pitchers at all. Likely look to add one, if not two, starting pitchers. So we've got four days in San Diego. Today's probably wrapped up on the West Coast. But how many of these, if any, do you believe will get filled over the course of the winter meetings? Uh, I'd say catcher is going to be filled probably early on in the meetings. And it's probably going to be Perez. It seems like it's moving towards being Perez, which uh, I don't think I know I, 
it, there's not an excitement to that, but at the same time, it's like, that's fine. Yeah. And I was reading uh, Drew Baker was pushing pretty hard for Perez to come back. That's interesting. I guess, the, you know, the trust behind the plate. And... Well, he has Any, the report. Anytime some of your starters are really fighting for you, that's a good sign. Yeah. he. It seemed like he was a good clubhouse guy. Uh, he was with Santana, Carlos Santana in Cleveland back in the day. So uh, another Perez is probably going to be the number one target right now for them. And that's not, he, he shouldn't be too expensive. Right-handed hitter, good behind the plate, will be an excellent mentor for Andy and Davis. So maybe Sable if he ends up making the jump. Doesn't get pulled in the Rule 5 draft. Although I was reading an article uh, of Pirates Prospects. Hang on, let me pull that up in my other screen here. Like a, a history of the Pirates in Rule 5 draft selections. Recent history, not going back to like Clemente. But they've only made, in the past eight years, they picked Tyler Webb from the Yankees in 2016. And they returned him before the season start. Jordan Milbrath in 2017 from Cleveland also returned before the season starts. And then 2020, Pirates picked first overall, and they took Jose Soriano. And he was coming off of Tommy John surgery and had to have a repair, and he was eventually sent back to the team he was taken from, which is the Angels. And the players that they've lost, not like Wei Chung Wang back in 2013, um, nothing really happened there. Andy Oliver back in 2014. Viola Guerra. And he, he came back in 2016 or something like that, but I, I don't know. So I, us as fans make a bigger deal out of Rule 5 than I think teams do because they understand that teams are going to protect the guys who are actually important. You would assume so, yes. It's it's going to be pretty rare that a uh, impact player is actually going to get picked there. And we're not looking for something super impact. I was thinking in the Rule 5 draft that they could target a relief pitcher, specifically a southpaw, because I don't like, they've got a number of prospects that are appearing on lists like Baseball America, posted Malcolm Nunez, Blake Sable, Tanash Thomas. Um, Cody Bolton was a, a potential one who could get picked. I'm not really too concerned about them overall, like either getting taken or lasting with the team. The main thing is taking a pitcher. So I've got a list of a couple guys I wanted to talk about. Uh, do you have... Uh, any names that you're looking for us to take with pick number three? Um, <clears throat> one of the guys that stood out to me that I was surprised it wasn't protected was Eric Miller from the Phillies. Yep, I've got him on my list too. Yeah, so he's he's a left-handed uh, reliever, I believe. I think he's is he a reliever or is he a starter? I think he dabbled in both over the He made it to AAA, uh, Lehigh Valley, in 22. He only pitched for 12 innings, and he had a lot of command issues. But it's 
you know, it's a left-handed relief pitcher. That's it makes me think back to like um, Justin Wilson. I feel like he had a lot of command issues when he was coming up. So he's got really good strikeout numbers and strong velocity. Likely yeah. to go in the first couple picks. Got a got a uh, a nice fastball slider. Yes, you got changeup. And that, like he talking with like command issues, that's kind of the player you're expected to potentially see available in the Rule Five draft. Right, you're not going to get a perfectly polished anybody in this. You're not drafting expecting to get a Clemente, expecting to get a Mike Trout, or you know, if you get a an above average player, it's a huge win. You know, if they could, if they could provide more than replacement level value, like that's that works. So, um, yeah, I like Eric Miller. Uh, I I had a couple of uh, left-handed pitching options here. Edgar Barclay, left-handed pitcher from the Yankee system. So he, he only made it to high A, but ton of strikeouts. Um, his big pitches is changeup because he's only mid nineties with a fastball. I think he's 24, 25. Um, just kind of injuries and stuff like that has, has scuffled him. And then uh, another one I was like, oh, why don't you, do you have another name? Yeah, another guy. <clears throat> another guy, which was actually another left-handed pitcher. Oh, jeez. I got to look for him again. Thought I had it pulled up. Uh, I believe it's Antoine Kelly from the Rangers. Uh, yeah, I saw him as a possible option. Because he he's another one who I think he's got a good velocity, you know, flamethrower. Yep, guy that can fit right he's in the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's another good option. As a, I saw um, TJ Sikama of the Royals and Jose Lopez of the Rays were two others that I was looking at. Um, I get they, I think they all got to double a pretty sure Kelly's the same situation. Um, but another one that I was looking at is Corey Jolks from the Astros, not a pitcher outfielder, third baseman, but it's addressing another area of the team, which is lacking. And that's the right-handed hitting core. So he's an outfielder, right-handed, played in hitter-friendly Pacific Coast League, but he had a monster year, 31 home runs, 21 doubles, 22 stolen bases, caught just five times, 854 OPS. Probably would still just be a bench bat. You know, slide him in against lefties, occasional spot start. He's got some power. He's got some speed. Um, See how that translates from playing in the PCL. I think if they opt to sign a left-handed pitcher or trade for a left-handed pitcher and go to get, like, address the lack of right-handed hitting on their team, this isn't that bad of a way to go. I'd probably prefer to get a left-handed pitcher, but you just never know with this. Yeah, I mean, at least currently we have some right-handed hitters on the team. And no left-handed pitchers. So that definitely has to be addressed. 
Yeah. So I'm hoping Roberto Perez, find him for catcher. He already knows the team. It there. I haven't heard any rumors recently about it. And looking at this market, I feel like it's less likely to happen. A reunion with Quintana. We saw uh, yesterday Jacob deGrom signs with the Rangers for, what was it, $185 million for five years? Five years with a possible sixth year? Yeah, possible sixth year, which was another like $40 million or something like that. Went over to two. Yeah, it was a high number. 220, something like that. I think it was 225. It may have been 222 because I think it was like 37 million. It was pretty much exactly the AAV of what Scherzer got with the Mets, but much longer period of time. So um, the the market, and then we saw um, who was Eflin it? Went to the Marlins. Eflin went to the the Rays. You're right. You're right the Rays. Um, <laughs> but Matt Boyd signed. One year, ten million dollar deal with the Tigers. I thought he was a potential option for us. I was thinking like release pitching, maybe spot start, not for ten million. Around like five million a year is what I was thinking. Yeah, no. So guys are getting paid this season. I don't know what we're gonna do. Yeah, like I said, even the lower level guys like Eflin got a far bigger contract than I would have thought anyone would give him. Yeah. And then um, Kyle Gibson signed with, who did he sign with? Orioles. Orioles. And he got a big payday, too. Uh, uh, last time I saw, they didn't have any uh, numbers out for him yet. Hang on, let me see. I know it was a one-year deal, but I didn't see. Yeah, one-year contract No, I didn't see the numbers either. But the fact that he got signed already, I was like, okay. So uh, it might need to be something that they address via trade. I, I don't, I don't see them getting multiple starting pitchers via trade, though. So maybe they trade for one. I've talked before about wanting Herman Marquez, the Rockies. Maybe something like that could happen. Didn't he just sign with the Rockies? No, he may have signed an extension with them, but that was—I uh, didn't even think that was a, a while ago. He came up in the organization, but his oh. numbers at first field are really bad. So, and then what else do they really need to fill? One or two starting pitchers, at least one left-handed relief pitcher. Um, yeah, uh, potentially an outfield position. Maybe. Because I'm looking at the bullpen right now, and I've got Bednar. Well, I'm not even sure on this. I think my bullpen as of right now is Bednar, Erie, Holderman, Stevenson, DeYoung, Crow, uh, Johan Ramirez, and a left-handed pitcher. What's that, eight? Yeah. So that's the eight that I think they'd be rolling with next year. They had only one lefty in the pen for most of the season. Had a couple. What, what about, uh, and I, I, he might not even be on the team anymore. What about uh, Mears? Mm. I, yeah, possibly Mears. That's the thing. I, I think that they might 
DFA him to make room for other guys because he is potentially expendable. I don't think he has a minor league option. So maybe Mears is in that mix. Um, Yuri has an option, so he'll probably go down. Moretta could be in the mix, but he's got an option, so he'll probably start in Indy. Um, I think that the bullpen's actually going to be pretty good. Hopefully. I know, I'm saying it, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, we don't have Banda, we don't have Fletcher, we don't have Hembry. Like, this, it, it's already looking much better than last year started. And we have Bednar come out, and these guys all come out healthy. You know, there's a potential for that to be a, a pretty good bullpen with reinforcements to still come up. You know, Flowers, Thomas, if they don't get picked in Rule 5. Um you know, Cody Bolton, if he doesn't get picked. Burroughs, I don't know if he manages to make it as a starter, if he becomes a relief pitcher. He's got a really good changeup, so. Decent fastball. What's his other pitch? A curve? I see it's a curve. Curve or slider. So, um, you know, there, there's... Right now, one to two starting pitchers, a left-handed relief pitcher, get the catcher, that's it. Really, just three to four guys, right? So if they get Perez, and then draft somebody in row five, maybe, and then they just need to get two starting pitchers. They got plenty of time to make it happen. Yeah, because the whole the whole infield set. You don't have to worry about that once you get your catcher. Do you see Castro as having solidified that spot at second base? No. <laughs> the infield's not exactly set. Well, who do you have at second? No, but you have you have Gonzalez that's not that far out that could yeah. potentially pop in there. I mean, there's like we have plenty of talent at that. <clears throat> at that yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think Castro earned the opening day starter role to to prove what he can do. Yeah. I, well, I'd agree with that. Right now, I have him penciled in. I've got probably Choi going around the diamond. Choi, Castro, Cruz, Hayes, and then the outfield, Reynolds, Bay, Sawinski, whoever behind the plate, and then on the bench. Oh, actually, we probably need to get another backup catcher. I don't see, I mean, as much as I would like Andy to start this season on the 26 man it's just not going to happen and there's no benefit in him i mean there's some benefit but i I feel like he should get those regular reps and eventually take over the starting position let me ask you a hypothetical hypothetical question yeah all right say you're a gm would you find it more beneficial to overpay for a free agent that is just going to be a bridge player or bring up your young guy and sacrifice that year of service time to have him start. So here's the thing. It's, it's different for different guys at different levels and different organizations, a team like someone who doesn't really do service manipulation because they don't really know. I'd say the Yankees, they, I'm sure they do. Um, Cause we saw it last year with their, uh, shortstop Peraza. Peraza, the one that came up. 
Um, they waited yeah, until pretty late in the season. He came up pretty late, so it's not like they were. It was just like they didn't wait like the six or eight weeks at, and then pull him right yeah. up. So I, I'm not even sure what organization would be looking to do that. The Mariners started with uh, J Rod in the beginning of the season, opening day, and he went on to win Rookie of the Year. And then they they signed him to a monster contract, so now they bought out all those years of arbitration, and they get an extra draft pick. So that ended up being a win-win across the board for them. Speaking specifically to the Pirates and having Andy on the opening day roster as a starter, he might be ready with the bat, and he might be ready with the glove. But I don't, because that position's it's not like an outfielder. It's not like, you know, a second, even second baseman or, or first base, like any other position on the field. Like maybe you go and take a shot. A catcher has so many different parts of the game that they need to be able to perform at the highest level that it's not worth it to risk losing a, a year of arbitration to bring him up. I'm If he's comes up in Indianapolis and he's just crushing in April and he starts crushing in May. It's like, all right, yeah, we'll just lose the call him up. We, we saved one year, whatever. Let's take a run at rookie of the year. But I don't, he's very good. I'm going to say he's, he's extremely, he's, he's the best defensive catcher that I'm seeing in the organization, even better than like bins or Abraham Gutierrez um, any of those guys. Which is the reason why I'm confused why people aren't suggesting Davis learning first base, because I feel like that's ultimately where he should end up. He's taller than Andy. He's like kind of a, a bulkier body. And if they think his bat's going to be his biggest weapon, you know, having him crouching every pitch, every game is going to shorten his career. Andy's a little bit more agile, and he's got more of a, like, thin frame. It's not going to take as big of a toll on him, I think, to be a catcher. Yeah, I, I also wasn't asking that question specific to the catcher position. <laughs> although, although you dug pretty deep into it. Yeah. Well, okay, so if you're saying, like, generally, like, a pitcher, for instance like either calling up Ortiz to start the season, who's now a top 100 prospect and still has his rookie status. So if he starts the season and goes and finishes top two in rookie of the year, we would get a draft pick for that. Ortiz, maybe. A lot of people were concerned because he had that one big bad start to end the year, and he's kind of relying only on like fastball slider, and that's not always going to full teams, but in April he's gonna the bats are gonna be cold. I think he's gonna have some good games and build up some confidence. It's not really gonna matter which pitches he's throwing. Um, yeah, I think that those guys Ortiz could be an option to start the season in the rotation. He's almost not definitely not going to. But could happen. Were you, were you thinking about anyone specific, or you were just completely generally speaking? Uh, 
it was nobody specific. I was kind of leaning more towards like a pitcher. Just because we were talking about, you know, the, the pitching free agency markets thin and obviously expensive. <clears throat> and yeah. like you said, we're probably not going to get two starters in a trade. So yeah. would it would it be worth it to bring one of those guys up early? So if we're talking Priest or no, he barely made it to AAA. He um, has had injuries kind of derail his timeline overall. So I wouldn't say Priest is going to be ready. He's not even on the 40-man, so it's a moot point. Um, Burroughs had a pretty solid season with Indianapolis. Uh, I think he had some issues towards the end of the season, but and, and he also was getting hit hard towards the end of the year as well. So I'm not 100% sure. Maybe see, like, is he doing winter ball? I'm not even sure. I don't I think I saw at, anything on him for winter ball, but I could be wrong. I was looking at numbers of uh, a couple of guys in winter ball. And it's mostly, like, offensive guys. Like Diego Castillo, he's got a 1.053 OPS over 23 games. My dude, Andres Alvarez... 349 batting average with a 1.03, a 1.083 OPS six, in 16 games. But the guys are all over the place. You've got Australia, Castillo's in Venezuela, Alvarez in Colombia. Um, you know, kind of a mismatch of everything going on there. So Burroughs, I wouldn't say. Ortiz would be the only one of that group of players that maybe he makes that opening day starting rotation. Because if you're looking at the team right now, who do you see as the top five on the 40-man for the rotation? Top five on the 40-man. Right. One second, let me pull that up. So obviously you have uh, Ruanzi. Yep. You've got uh, Keller. Sure. Probably Brubaker. Yeah. He's at the worst. He's a four or five in that group. He led the team in strikeouts. He's you know not going to have the best ERA overall, but he's a workhorse. Ortiz is on there. I don't. I'm not sold on Oviedo as a starter. I, I know you're not. That's that's my five right now of the guys on the on the in the organization. I don't think that Ortiz makes the starting twenty six because I think they're going to at least sign one guy. They have to sign at least one guy. It'd be ridiculous if they don't. Someone. Some outside player will come in, whether it be via trade or free agency. But I think that person takes Ortiz's position, and then Oviedo is like the five. And I don't think he's—I don't think he's bad. The game I went to, he went eight shutout innings. I was like, all right, this guy's—you know—fastball, slider, uh, changeup. May have had a curve too that he threw like three times. To me, I mean, other than that 
game that you went to, <laughs> I feel like he had a real hard time getting players out. Like, he threw a ton of yes. pitches. Yeah. No, that was the only game that he was just, like, dominant. But he's really young, and that's that's going to happen. They're going to face adversity. We saw Ortiz with his, his first three starts. He was, like, the best pitcher ever. And then that fourth start, I don't even think he got out of the first inning. Yeah, but I'd rather have three excellent starts and one bad start instead of three crap starts and one good start. <laughs> but the thing is, like, these guys are all learning. We saw Cruz. He went through that curve. We saw Sawinski. Um, you know, and then some guys have shown, like, throughout the season, Marcano. I think of of all the guys on the 40-man right now, he had the worst objectively the worst statistics last year. He had like a negative one point something war. And he didn't play a ton, but he played enough that you're like, okay, maybe he needs to spend more time in the minors. I maybe. I can see Marcano getting moved. See, but BC was so excited to get him. He almost made him part of the Musgrove trade. Yeah. But sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, well, he doesn't... He was excited to get Park, too. And you see how that worked. That's true, and that happened around the same time. So, it could happen. Marcano's really struggled this past year. And there's just... that, Like, for me, there's just... There's no... There's not really a spot for Marcano, like, on the roster. Yeah. If Bay doesn't become, like, an everyday outfielder and they get somebody else in to fill that role. If it's like, you know, Reynolds stays in center and they've got Anduar in one corner, Sawinski in another, and then they've got like, you know, CSN, Mitchell. That's right. You, uh, you know, you have Swag. CSN, you have Mitchell, you have Swags. Yeah. Like outfield, so you're, you're set. So then they could potentially become a super utility player that Marcano is supposed to be. Because he right. doesn't. Who we also have Triolo on the 40, man, now that kind of fills that role as well. Triolo, he can play third, short, second, and center. So he's a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Um, and is by far the best defensively of any of the guys not named Hayes. All right, you know, Diego Castillo, another one that falls in that same role. I would not put him in the outfield again. Every time he's in right field, <laughs> I was like, this is such... I'd see that number nine next to his name in the lineup, and I'm like, no, what are you doing? Please. Well, let me ask you this. Would you rather him in right field or first base? Here's the thing. He played two games at first base. And they were both bad, but it was only two games. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> every time he was in right field, I'm like, well, this something's going to happen. It, it was just always. Right, but you just said every time he was at first base, he played bad. Each of those two times. And each time he was <laughs> in right field, which was like 20. Like a ball would get hit and he would run forward and it would bounce off the wall behind him. I'm like, what are you doing? So, yeah, I so think he's kind of he, like a second base. Second base, but stop, I guess. I don't feel like he's got a lot of range. He's like Cal Mitchell for me. He's got a good bat, only against lefties, though. Um, and I don't have a position for him. But he's doing, like I said before, he's doing pretty well in, where is he, Venezuela. One for five with a two-run triple yesterday. 361 batting average, 1.053 OPS in 21 games. So 
I don't know. There's there's a number of guys who I don't think have a fit necessarily, but it's kind of depth in those areas. I guess. Yeah, and are, no, don't forget, we got Peggy that could be coming up mid-season. Yeah. He's a right-handed hitter, so... I don't know. A lot of different stuff there. So, at least one starter. Possibly two. At least one left-handed relief pitcher. Starting catcher. And probably a backup catcher. Maybe another starter. So, I'm say five guys this offseason. Four to five guys that they need to get. All right. Rich, Anything? you know, backup catcher, I don't know, because you wouldn't want to. Yeah. As I say, a backup catcher, you can always just pick after spring training, whether it be. Say yeah, we tried that last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I meant, you know, out of, like an internal guy. Possibly. I didn't hate Heineman. I was really surprised that he was gone. Just on the defensive side. The offense isn't, you know, anything spectacular, but he rated really well on framing and um, blocking. I think his caught stealing rate was above average. I'm like, hang on to him as a backup. Yeah, I liked Heineman. So, but the fact that the Pirates cut two makes me think that they're looking to add a guy like Perez, and that they're looking to have a spot open for Rule 5. So I think those are the two moves that happen in the next couple of days. But we will find out. Any last thoughts before we hit to the outro? Nope. All right. Well, that wraps it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 412 Double Play. Follow Ed at Ed underscore Wassel. Continue listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. From all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast, thank you for joining us, and let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks. <laughs>